0: Welcome to New England Alive, everybody. Today is December fourteenth, and we are here with somebody from the community to talk about the all-important mask mandate that is coming or not coming on Thursday. Uh, we're here with Michael Rigoli, Hello. who owns Fritz uh, in Keene. Many of you have been there. He makes phenomenal sandwiches, great food. Everything is fresh. I love it there. Great job, great place. Thank you. But we're not we're not here to talk about that today. So, so Michael, I'm gonna kind of just. You know, this is unscripted. You can say whatever you want. Um, Just why don't you get it going? Sure. So,
1: obviously, we're talking about COVID, and obviously, COVID has been around since, uh, for me, anyway, since the second week in March of 2020. Second week of March of 2020, things changed pretty dramatically in town, and that's when we first uh, began to realize that there was a problem. Um didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to do as a nation. We didn't know what to do um, uh, scientifically to deal with any of this stuff. Everybody was just flying by the seat of their pants back then. At the same time this was starting to happen, we moved um, to the facility that we're in now, which is where Pedraza's used to be. And um, while we were setting the restaurant up, um, we were starting to gain information. The CDC had some information. Uh, there were a lot of people that were publishing a lot of things. Some of it was just total bunk, and some of it actually made a great deal of sense. And I think for a moment I should take uh, and say I'm an electrical engineer by education, but when I was a young man, I served in the United States Navy, and I was a nuclear power plant operator on a ballistic missile. Thank you for your service. Thank you. And um, uh, Naval Nuclear Power School is probably one of the best uh, practical engineering schools in the country that most people have no idea exists. So a lot of the information, a lot of the engineering information I got and I have uh, comes from that. Okay. Um, we moved over here, um, started to get ready to open up. And right when we were getting ready to open up, um, we were told that we couldn't have customers in the dining room anymore. Um, this was all happening, uh, in an accelerated pace. Uh, I like to tell the story that on the day that we got the, uh, email that we couldn't have customers anymore in the dining room, we also got a letter from the liquor commission saying we could sell beer to go. Um, <laughs> somehow or another, once again, as an engineer, I didn't understand how these two things were connected, but they were because that's the way things, uh, came down that spring. Um... I had to spend a great deal of time thinking about whether or not I was endangering anybody that was working there. Uh, whether I was going to have problems with customers, obviously we don't have a drive up window. We had no way of servicing just to go business, um, other than finding some way to deal with it. So I decided that, um, I needed to take a look around and see what I could do based on what the CDC had already, um, announced. And what I came up with was pretty simple. Um, all restaurants that cook with open flames, uh, cook meats, cook pizzas, um, all restaurants in the country, actually, not just here in Keene, right. have a big, giant exhaust system in the kitchen. Uh, the exhaust system at Fritz, uh, we have a 14-foot hood surf system. We, I think it's rated for 3,600 cubic feet a minute. Um, the volume of Fritz is approximately 35,000 cubic feet. Um without taking into account for fixtures and walls and everything else. So basically, once you take that into account, we if I could use the exhaust system to change all the air in the restaurant instead of doing what it was set up to do, I'd be able to change the air every six or seven times an hour right. uh, all day long, as long as we were open. So that's what I ended up doing. Uh, Fritz has a window over the front door, transom, that stays open year-round now. It's cracked open in the wintertime. It costs a little bit extra in heat, but um, it does the job. And I want to say that we haven't had a single person, to the best of my knowledge, get sick in the restaurant. Half of my staff are Keene State students. They get tested twice a week. We just haven't had any issues, while all the other restaurants in town have had issues.
0: So, That's pretty amazing that the exhaust system in your restaurant turns the air over.
1: Once again, the the CDC's... uh, information. And they did change it um, partway through the summer in 2020. Originally, it was um, 15 minutes of continuous exposure uh, to a, a large enough density, a high enough density of the right. virus. And it's since been changed to 15 minutes over a 24-hour period of time. This is the CDC's numbers. These aren't my numbers. You can go to their website and verify it yourself. So the idea is that if you change the air more than four or five times an hour,
0: you'll never get to 15 minutes exposure over that period of time. So let me ask you a question. So how many other restaurants in the city of Keene have the type of exhaust system or the type of exhaust system that would recirculate the air?
1: Um, once like again, that. all restaurants that cook with open gas flames, um, all the pizza shops, they all have this kind of an exhaust system. Okay. Some of the sandwich shops, I don't know if Subway actually has an exhaust system, but um, I can tell you that the Stage and Luca's, I've, I've been in these restaurants, I know the owners well, um, uh, Amici's, mm-hmm. um, um, uh, Athens Pizza, these, these right. places all have exhaust systems that not only... Have the ability to change the air um, but they also have the ability while they're changing the air to actually disable and kill the coronavirus and that's one of the other things that people didn't catch on real quickly uh, in 2020 so a bunch of information came out in 2020 and originally um, i believe that the cdc announced that 132 or 133 degrees fahrenheit would Totally wipe out the virus instantly. There was another study that was done that said, uh, from ninety-five degrees on, um, it's severely shortened its life. And you know, every five or ten degrees above that, until it got to that point, um, the viability of it got less and less. Ultimately, the CDC changed the number to one hundred and forty degrees Fahrenheit. So that's a big, sp- that's a big sp- spread. though, right? well, well, ninety-five. Well, actually, so they said that a hundred and. 133 degrees, let's say, was the number, and I think that's what it was. Uh, 133 degrees would immediately, that's it, the virus is done, not viable anymore. So they changed that to 140 degrees Fahrenheit. The other thing said that the hotter it gets, um, uh, the less time the virus stays viable. Viruses, as a rule of thumb, like the cold weather. So the weather outside today, Mm -hmm. viruses love that weather very important to know that viruses are happier in the wintertime than they are in the summertime as a rule of thumb hmm. so okay we get to this I want uh, something new every day <laughs> we get to this all happening and all right I'm looking at all of this and I'm saying okay so all of the cooking appliances we use in the kitchen cook around 350 degrees Um, My parents owned two Italian restaurants when I was a kid growing up. We had pizza ovens. Pizza ovens run at 500 or 550 degrees. So why in the hell did Dr. Fauci in 2020, basically every week, come on and say restaurants are the place you go to catch COVID and die, when in actual fact, if somebody would have put a window in the dining room in the furthest diagonal corner from where the exhaust fan was, left it open, let the air change, uh, get rid of the makeup or shut off the makeup air system in the kitchen and kill as much of the virus as possible somehow or another I guess they didn't understand that that's the way restaurants work restaurants as far as I'm concerned are probably the safest place to be and we want them operating at full capacity because mm-hmm. in the wintertime it's the only way we get to kill the virus um, short of somebody exposing it to uh, ultraviolet radiation like the systems that the hospital uses uh, I'm, sure that, uh, I'm sure that medical offices in the area Uh, the dental offices in the area, they
0: all have these systems. Yeah, I've seen them in car dealerships, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Use them to clean
1: their hands, use them to clean the inside of the car. And Uh, and doesn't ozone work as well? Yeah, ozone, Yeah. 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 So all of this is going on. We've ignored all of this stuff. When I realized that this is the one thing that we could do when vaccines didn't exist when we were doing masks, we were locked down, we weren't locked down, we couldn't go in the stores, we could go in the stores, we couldn't go in the restaurant and eat there, you know, eat at home, nobody knows what's going on. This is a very simple thing. Why didn't we make more of an effort to um, inform the rest of the businesses and the public, any place that had a public space that they really needed to make an effort to ventilate the space? That's what it's all about, ventilating the space. The other side of this is what uh, Governor Cuomo did in New York. He basically took a bunch of sick people, put them in uh, uh, elderly care facilities and old age homes, and he killed probably twenty or thirty thousand people in doing that because those places weren't ventilated. Uh, they probably didn't have. Uh, they probably didn't have any way of uh, cleansing the environment. And um, what did you think was going to happen in the middle of winter? So. In continuing to talk about this, understand that when I first started realizing this, I published information on my Facebook page. I spoke to the code enforcement manager of the city, spoke to the mayor, who was very nice, and returned my uh, my email to him almost immediately. And we had a real nice forty-five minute conversation on the phone. And this was about the time that we were doing. Uh, the additional mask mandate, yeah. summer before last. Right. Uh, Randy Filio's first uh, uh, endeavor into this. Mm. And the mayor was very nice, uh, and it was really the first time he talked. He comes in the restaurant all the time. He's a really nice guy. Oh, he's a great guy, yeah. Um, and um, uh, But that being said, he said, um, you know, the city council is going to make this decision, and I needed to um, deal with that. Well, some of the city councilors are friends. Um, Um, fritz used to be located in a building that mitch greenwald owns and mitch was a friend and in the basement of that building uh, kate bosley runs a business and kate's a friend still to this day come in the restaurant today for instance i had uh, kate over at the restaurant and uh, i asked her to come over for 20 minutes and we spent 45 and i shared with her a bunch of things that i figured out yesterday last night um, uh, on top of literally a year and a half's worth of me um, exchanging information with her, trying to explain my point of view, my side of things, so that somebody in the city government um, that I considered to be uh, a responsible, knowledgeable, well-educated person that was actually going to listen to what I had to say um, instead of just ignore it or blow Mm -hmm. it off. Right. uh, had the opportunity and the time to parse it and uh, absorb it because this is not easy for me to say all of this because I spent a year when I was in the navy going to school to understand how this stuff works so I accept that it works that way because it kept me alive when I did my job every day on the well, submarine.
0: Well, I mean, nuclear is molecules, uh, and so and, it, and so and is radiation. Cr- and, exactly, and it's all of those things. So it's a very comparable. Um, It's very comparable to what's going on in the world now. It's just coronavirus versus, right? Yep. So, I mean, a lot of the stuff you guys did on (sighs) submarines or nuclear Navy, whatever it was, yeah. I mean, it was very comparable to the world that we live in right now. So, um, I've
1: spent the last year and a half when I had spare time or when something was about to change, um, going over and um, spending a half an hour or 45 minutes with Kate and tell her what's about to change so that Kate understood that I'm not clairvoyant. I'm an engineer. I've bothered to take the time to understand what was going on. And because I can accurately tell you when something's going to change, that should tell you that I actually understand what's happening. You know, people that throw darts at a wall, um, I'm sorry, that doesn't mean that they've got it right. That means that they know how to throw a dart at a wall. Some of them stick, some of them don't. Um, um, If I get 100% accurate on when... Major changes are going to happen here in the United States. I use Australia all the time because Australia, when I talk to Kate, is exactly the opposite of the United States. The coronavirus is absolutely um, being affected by uh, seasonality. In the summertime, we have a lot of ultraviolet radiation that hits us. Naturally, we don't have a problem with the coronavirus. In the summertime here, it's wintertime in Australia. Australia gets locked down. So last fall, when Australia got, last summer when Australia got locked down, it was for 10 days. Three and a half months later, when they took the lockdown down, it was the end of October. So we were going into uh, wintertime, there into summertime. um, They basically take the lockdown down. It's, It's not a big mystery once you understand that that's what it is. The hard part for me to understand is we know how to artificially make ultraviolet radiation. We live with it all summer long. Um, UVB, we we couldn't live without UVB radiation hitting us uh, because it's part of the mechanism that makes vitamin D in our bodies. Um, And UVB, and once again, when we get an opportunity to uh, meet in my office, um, I'll give you links to all of the studies. Most of them exist on the NIH's website because they manage a medical library. Um, they know that this stuff is there, they know that it exists.
0: So if it's there and it exists and, and these are, these scientific opinions are out there. Why isn't more of this stuff referenced? Um, here's my
1: Here's my answer for that. Are you ready? Um, yeah I've, I've been ready. Uh, Today's Tuesday um, December 14th, on Monday, December 13th, uh, bright and early in the morning, the CEO of Pfizer was, interviewed, I believe, on CNBC, um, and he was uh, boastful for the fact that Pfizer will be making an additional $50 billion in profit in 2022 from the sale of the vaccine.
0: Does it, it great mystery to you? Yeah, so, I mean, $50 billion in profit... That's for Pfizer. To, just for Pfizer, and you're trying to save the world yeah. from from a virus, right? They, they don't want... People are still
1: profiting. They don't, they don't want... The simple things that could have saved us from this all along to end. When we do get an opportunity to talk, there's a man, a physicist. Um, He's actually the director of the, he's actually the head of the nuclear medicine department at Columbia University in New York. Uh, His name is Dr. David Brennan. And um, he tells his story in a TED interview that he did in 2017. And basically, he had a good friend that went in the hospital. Um, He ended up having a routine operation. He died um, of one of these superbugs in the hospital. So this physicist that works in nuclear medicine um, decides he's going to devote part of his time to solving that problem. Uh, whether you know it or not, uh, superbugs are still a major problem here. The hospitals don't like to use a lot of antibiotics because the more antibiotics they use, the more resistant these things get. And, right. you know, it's, it's not like we can just go to the store and get a different brand. It doesn't work that way. So uh, Dr. Brennan actually figured out um, a wavelength of UVC radiation, which we don't normally gain access to, um, all of the UVC that comes from the sun, about all of it, I shouldn't say all of it, but about all of it is filtered through the ozone layer and never makes it down to the planet. We use UVC as a, um, uh, as a way of sterilizing things in medical office buildings sure. and everything else. It's very harmful to people to be directly um, exposed to UVC. Um, so we really don't allow that to happen. Uh, what happens is UVC has sufficient penetrating distance to get through a person's skin, and then it causes uh, carcinomas and all kinds of other problems in a very short period of time. Right. But, you know, in the ductwork of an HVAC system or in a, uh, on a tabletop sterilizer when the, um, when the hygienist at the dentist actually puts the instruments in after they have get done cleaning your teeth, I mean, that's how all of these things work. If you've got well water, you probably have a UVC sterilizer Mm -hmm. that's in line with the water that comes from the well before it enters your house or while it's in your basement before it goes up to the faucet. These are very common devices. We've known about this uh, capability for the better part of 100 years now. It's widely used. So what Dr. Brennan figures out is there's a wavelength um, and it's actually it's actually known as far UVC. It's two hundred and twenty-two nanometers. But this wavelength doesn't have sufficient penetrating distance to get through the dead layer of skin or our tears. Uh, but absolutely, in in a matter of moments, blows the virus away. Gets through the virus and it destroys the RNA in the virus. He has he applied for FDA approval in two thousand and seventeen and. The typical drug uh, that goes for FDA approval or anything that goes for FDA approval takes 10 years. So while we allowed the drug manufacturers to uh, get emergency use authorizations, which is what the vaccines are actually authorized under, um, while they were allowed to do this with no long-term testing, he's actually going through the entire process so this past year he finished up animal testing to demonstrate which he had to do for a year to demonstrate that this actually works and it's not harmful what this basically what he's figured out is these light bulbs because they're light bulbs these yeah, light well, bulbs yeah, exactly these light bulbs produce radiation that will basically take any virus not just the coronavirus but Um, You know, the various flu viruses and everything else and just blow them away before um, and remove them from the environment before we get an opportunity to ingest enough of it to get sick. That's what we're fighting against.
0: I mean, we're we're, yeah. I mean, there's technology out there that apparently by what you're telling me could cure a lot of issues that we're having right now. But we're choosing to go down or not we, but government is choosing to go down a completely different path. Yep. And maybe a more profitable path. I mean, just just the way I look at it, a profitable path for the companies that are producing those vaccines. Um, The other night when we were in the city council chambers,
1: uh, Kate, because Kate Bosley, Kate's a friend, and uh, Kate knows how I feel about this, and I'm pretty sure that I've made the point to her about um, the UV um, sterilizers and the portable mm-hmm. ones and, and the permanently installed ones. She went out and she bought two uh, for the city council chamber, and there yeah. were two in there on the floor in the city council chamber. Yeah,
0: I was there filming, yeah. Yeah. and they were literally two feet away from me.
1: Yeah, yeah. so that's why they were there, because I uh, educated her and shared all this with her, and she ended up finding out that there was a company right here in Keene right. that makes them. I mean, why I in think, the
0: world would we not want to do this? Right. Well, I think and I think from what I remember and I can actually go pull the video cuz I have Don Caruso. I have his whole 36 minutes of Yeah. on video. I, I think at one point Kate actually asked Caruso. She did. about that and what yeah. was his response? Do you uh, remember?
1: Yeah, he blew he blew the question off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, I remember it. Yeah. Of course yeah, I remember were, it. I walked out of there halfway through when you were downstairs. So yeah. And I saw you talk. You, n- as you well. need you need to understand. And I don't have I
1: I I don't I don't know I don't know how to take Dr. Caruso's answers um, after the first Zoom meeting for the mask mandate a year ago, year and a half ago. I explained to Kate. I wish that he would have stayed because he came. He spoke us, you know, a couple of minutes, and then he disappeared, and I never okay. get. I never got a chance to ask him any questions because one of the things he said during that is we all have to wear masks. There's no other choice. There's nothing else that we can do. He said that in the Zoom meeting. Mm-hmm. You know, go find, the, go find the video of that meeting.
0: But well, we actually called his office last week after that and yeah. wanted to get him on this podcast. We haven't heard back anything
1: yet. Well, once again, um, there were other things that we could do. And we knew by the summer of last year that there were a lot of other things that right. we could do and we should have actually been doing them. And that was been that's been my point all along not that i i don't want anybody to think that i don't believe that coronavirus is a real thing my father passed away in phoenix in a nursing home last summer i mean i i know that it's real um and once again you know he was in a place that was you know all locked down and there wasn't any ventilation and in the summertime in phoenix it's 125 degrees outside <clears throat> you're in a air-conditioned space, right. everything is sealed up, and it's the worst possible thing you can do mm-hmm. if you've got more than one person in there. Right. And anybody who doesn't understand that it's really missed the point on yeah, all of and, this. Yeah, and I
0: think that, I think that you and the community, right, just your presence in the community and, and all the knowledge that you have about ventilation and the studies that you've done and, and all the stuff that you've amassed, I mean, do you feel like nobody's really listening to you? Yeah. Um, I, other I, than Kate.
1: Yeah, other than Kate, um, I'm sure that there are. As a matter of fact, I have customers that come in the restaurant all the time, that some of them are very well-educated. They come in the restaurant and they're comfortable in the restaurant because they know that I've explained to them what we did in the restaurant and they accept the idea that it was the right thing to do. So do you feel like... There are plenty of people that think... Uh, I, I? My favorite one from... Uh, my favorite uh, uh, response on our Facebook page from... Uh, april of 2020 was somebody actually referred to me as a wackadoodle because i published all of this that's my favorite one
0: well that's not a bad nickname to have right i mean you should actually put that on the front door home with a wackadoodle yeah um so we produced multiple podcasts and we we produced another one and i'm not naming it but yeah um you know, it's a gentleman that, that doesn't believe any of this stuff, that's yeah. refused to get vaccinated, doesn't he thinks it's all politically motivated that, yeah. you know, it's because of who's in office and, you know, they're controlling the narrative and it's one sided and it's their opinion. Right. And they they refuse to look over the other side of the aisle. I've, at I've, other I've, opinions. I've
1: talked to you. I've just talked to you about what we could be doing, yeah. what we should have been looking at. Yeah. I haven't talked to you about what's going on at the hospital today.
0: Uh, so okay so let's yeah sorry i didn't mean to
1: no it's okay it's okay so i i want people to know that there's things that we could be doing if you live by yourself and you don't have other people coming in your your living space uh irregardless of what you do anything that you bring into that space you brought into it it's already affected you you don't need to worry about this stuff but if there's two or more people in the space where you live and it's sealed up because it's winter time and um
0: that's outside yeah
1: um and um um um, you know you got the heat running and the windows are all shut and that's the way it's going to be um you probably have an issue you need to get some ventilation in there because if there is any coronavirus and i don't have any magical instrument that tells me whether or not there is any coronavirus i explained to kate that the only thing that i'm aware of that could actually tell how dirty the air was in the space that we uh, that we have access to that's inexpensive and, and easy to put in is a CO2 monitor. Um, more people that are in there, the dirtier the air is, the less it's getting changed out, the higher the CO2 level. Guess what? That's what we look at on the submarine.
0: Right. Um, I mean, why can't somebody come up with like a Geiger counter, but for coronavirus? Right? Well, I because mean,
1: doing it that way is pretty hard. But yeah. CO two, we have them for 150 bucks. You can right. buy one um, that has an alarm on it and everything else. You can plug it into your Definitely. wall outlet yep. and uh, and uh, yep. and have at it. Yep. Uh, but that being said, um, I just I just don't know why we haven't made any uh, efforts to. Um, Um, To look at or deal with any of this stuff. It's all pretty simple straightforward science. What's going on right now with the hospital? Um, I appreciate everything that Dr. Caruso has to say and that the hospital is having a problem right now. Um, A week ago um, when he first, uh, when the city council got the letter, Kate showed me a copy of the letter. And I saw the numbers, and I said, these, as they are, don't mean anything to me. It's open-ended. He's, he's basically said that there's a curve here, but um, I don't know what the values are on the curve. I don't know what's normal on the curve. I don't have any comparative information on here. I don't know what the numbers were for last year. So Kate gave me a copy of it. I came back the next morning. And I said, he's right. There's a huge problem right now because we have the situation whereby this is a very simple mathematical concept, okay? Okay. Um, We have stuff, um, we have the vaccinations, and we have the total amount of people getting vaccinated, uh, which is going up every time somebody gets vaccinated. Yet here in New Hampshire, right now, since, I don't know, end of September or so, um, the amount of people that are getting sick are also going up at the same time that the amount of people that are getting vaccinated are going up. You have stuff that's directly proportional, and you have stuff that's indirectly proportional. Directly proportional means you do this, you, get, you do more of this, you get more of that. Uh, indirectly proportional means you do more of this, you get the opposite of that. The numbers... For people going, getting sick, or going in the hospital, should actually be going down, and they should be going down because sixty-six percent of the people in New Hampshire, approximately, are vaccinated right now. Yet the entire state is having the problem. We're having a worse problem here in Keene because we still have an ER um, and an ICU and ICU beds that are available because the rest of the state doesn't have any. So, what's the problem right now? Why is it that uh, why is it that with more and more people getting vaccinated? Um, that we are having more of a problem in the hospital than less of a problem in the hospital. The letter that I wrote to the city council actually made the comparison to Texas. Texas has 20 times the population of the state of New Hampshire, um, and Texas right now has one-third, and Texas has about 7% fewer people vaccinated in the state, and Texas has one-third of the people um, testing positive right now and in the hospital, than what they had at the beginning of December last year. Why is it that we have two to three times as much when a company, when a when a state like Texas has one third as much? There's something seriously wrong, and there's something going on. And in my letter, I wrote that either something was happening with the vaccine, which I still believe may be the case, but or there was some other There was some other environmental issue or something else happening that we didn't fully understand yet or see. Um, I figured that out last night. So what is it? We have approximately 200,000 people crossing the border in the southern United States uh, every month. Um, Somewhere between 30 and 60% of them are COVID positive when the Biden White House puts them on a bus or a plane and moves them out of the uh, border area and sends them to, oh, say, Pease Air Force Base or in a bus up through the United States um, until they get into the northeast or the central uh, northern plains next to the Canadian border. So when you look at all the numbers, that's what's going on. Uh, Texas, so we have a bunch of southern states and southern states had problems. Um, Texas, the Texas governor's name is uh, Governor Abbott, and Governor Abbott actually sent the National Guard down to the border about two months ago and told them, uh, do what you can to cooperate with Border Patrol, but if Border Patrol gets in your way, um, ignore them, do whatever you have to do to keep people from crossing the border into Texas. So Texas has numbers that are going like this with people getting sick. New Hampshire has numbers that are going like this Vermont, Uh, my finger is going up and to the right for those that can't see. Vermont has numbers that are going up and to the right. The state of Maine that has an extremely liberal governor that has gone on record saying, send as many people as you want up here. We'll take them all. Their numbers are going up and to the right much steeper than they are here in New Hampshire. So I don't know how to test it. Uh, but as somebody that moved here from Tucson, Arizona, uh, I certainly know what the situation is down by the border, and it's gotten a lot more porous. Johns Hopkins has a informational website that the School of Medicine put together. Uh, there's a bunch of uh, great statistical information on there. But when you look at total cases and cases per population, um, cases per population actually shows you um, that um, we have stuff starting in um, outside of Tucson, which is the Nogales border crossing, um, San Diego, which is the Tijuana border mm-hmm. crossing, as somebody that lived in that part of the country. I, I can tell you what either this either is like, because yeah. 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 I've been through these places <clears throat> many times, um, and into El Paso. El Paso is in western Texas, and um, Texas right now is actually building what's left of the wall with their own money, and they've sent their own National Guard down there. But the El Paso border crossing is still basically managed by Border Patrol.
0: So was Florida experiencing a rise in- They were, but not anymore. Because, uh, because whether DeSanta, you know or not, because, because DeSantis said no
1: more. DeSantis said no more. He sent mm. a bill. He sent a bill to the federal government for one hundred and thirty billion one hundred and thirty million dollars, uh, for services that were rendered to help these people that were coming into Florida. All of the southern states all have exactly the same virus profile. They have a third of the people sick and in the hospital right now as this time last year. All of the northern states where these people are being sent to have two to three times the people being sick and in the hospitals. I'm not so sure that a mask mandate takes, uh, fixes an immigration problem, but if somebody wants to explain that to me, maybe they could actually explain to me why when you're sitting at a table in my restaurant you don't need a mask on, but if you want to walk in,
0: if you don't have a mask, I'm supposed to let the police know. So Michael, I'm going to, I'm going to come over Yeah, I'm going to come over this week. Uh, today doesn't work, but I'm going to tomorrow possibly. And uh, can you show me what you have? I mean, so I, I mean, this every, is the best th- I can get behind this one. This every, is the best one I've heard yet.
1: Every, everything, as long as it takes. I've been gathering data on this stuff for, since all of this started. Mm-hmm. Um, and easier for me to walk you through it. Um. Uh, but yeah, you know, you're welcome to have a copy of everything that I've gathered. It's all uh, links, digital documents, uh, various health organizations around the world, the NIH, uh, because the NIH maintains a medical library. A lot of right. the um, a lot of the stuff that's written that has anything to do with this um, sits in the NIH's medical mm-hmm. library. So, I mean, they're it's their documents.
0: Yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm anxious to see it. Yeah. So, and then I think after we do that and we have some more talks, I think we need to get you back in here and dive into this more. Cause I think there's a lot of details that people need to, I mean, people need to, it's like, it's like somebody said to me the other night, right? When you go to the doctor let's say something catastrophic is going to happen to you and, and the doctor gives you a diagnosis, right? You, the doctor also says, well, it's just my opinion. You're welcome. Go get another one. Right. And, and I'm kind of living through this whole pandemic in that fashion, Right. And and the opinion that you just gave is one that I really want to dive into. I want to see what's there. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see that. Thank you for coming on today.
1: Anytime. We and will like have said, you back
0: for uh, sure. I have
1: as much time as anybody needs. I want to make sure that people um, understand that there is stuff that they can do to keep themselves uh, well and safe. Um, I don't have a cure for this, but um, uh, I can make it... Uh, more palatable to be around a group of people. And if you get locked up in a car with six people in it and you don't have the windows open, you're being crazy as far as I'm concerned.
0: Right. So uh, I have to ask you the question. So what's yeah. your opinion on Thursday?
1: Um, I think that um, I think that there's not enough people that are going to stand up um, and not go with the crowd. I think that there's enough people that have written that'll uh, basically cause this to... Um, be the case. Um, I'm hoping that it's not the case for a long period of time. I'm hoping that uh, any um, public exposure to the things that I've said here today actually starts a bigger conversation and dialogue and I have absolutely nothing um, I have nothing bad to say about uh, folks that are um, um, coming across the border one way or another as the manager of a good-sized printing company and Tucson, um, you know, probably 80% of the staff were first-generation or generation, uh, immigrants from Mexico, and uh, all legally in the country, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that a lot of them have uh, not a nice thing to say about what's happened. Right. Um, I've been here for seven years now, so I don't know, but um, um, whatever else has happened to cause whatever's going on up at the hospital, I there was no there was no simple science explanation for it so i had to look someplace else and this is a very real thing that is happening and i believe it is what's causing the problem right now and a mask isn't gonna solve the problem
0: right all right well i'm gonna come over and take a look at all that stuff thank you for uh thank you for coming in and uh having this discussion i really appreciate it. it's always nice to get another perspective So, uh, as usual, this is uh, New England Alive, December 14th, with uh, Michael talking about ventilation aspects and (laughs) what else could be going on, so... uh, As always, uh, these episodes are brought to you by the Outlaw Brewing Company of Winchester, New Hampshire. If you haven't visited Rick Horton and his team uh, in Winchester, you definitely need to go down there and take a look and meet with them and try their beers. They are truly amazing. You can visit them online at www.theoutlawbrewingcompany.com. You can also visit them on Facebook at theoutlawbrewingcompany.com. This is Aaron Kelly, New England Live, is brought to you by 360medadnock.com. Thank you very much and have a wonderful day.